All right, so you're never gonna believe it, but I found another reason to do a non-traditional weird episode this week. But yeah, I got a good, uh, I got a good reason this week to do before we get back to uh, the plan of uh, watching TV shows. However, this week I realized when I was about to shift gears back to uh, TV shows, because again, yeah, the TV thing is just, it's, a, it's an easy focus. It's a reason to just hang out and do a podcast. But we hit episode 100. This is episode 100. Really? Of this dumb podcast, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do have like a little video we can watch and something to blab about at the end. But I thought, uh, let's just do a little go through the history. I went through and looked at all the old episodes and I just thought we'd just kind of go through the basic, uh, the basic flow of what happened with like this podcast. Like a little review, yeah. So uh, we did technically have an episode zero, but it was, it was only, it was very short and it was just for me to test that idea of holding my recorder up to the, uh, how did I do it now? It's been a long time. It's like, uh, yeah, I guess I would hold this recorder up to the earpiece of a payphone. So then the recorder would hear the payphone and I would hear it through these headphones that are attached to the recorder. And then I would just talk to you in the mouthpiece and the recorder would pick me up inadvertently. Okay, so when we say episode 100, we're not just talking episode 100 here right. in this office. Although it's about 50-50. We okay, did about 50 so we're 50 going each. way back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay. Because uh, episode one, January 20th, 2015. So, you know, took us a while <laughs> to get to episode 100. I mean, it's been going way faster since we switched to this TV idea, but the old ones were pretty sporadic. But it's called babysitting. And that made me think, like, maybe I'll just quickly recap the origin of why I started doing this podcast. Because uh, this was in 2015. So when I moved to... Toronto, I lived with Craig and other Keith in this apartment in downtown, not downtown Toronto, but downtown-ish. What was that neighborhood called? I don't know. Anyway, near Brock and Dundas, if anybody knows Toronto, if they're curious. Uh, Little Portugal, that's what it was, by the Duff Mall. And it was just fun to have roommates. And then eventually Matt Jenkins moved in for the last bit. And I gave him my room and I just slept in our back porch. <laughs> and like we had four people in the apartment. And it was just a fun, big, whatever, fun apartment. Then people moved out one at a time until eventually it was just me and Matt, and then finally we all moved out. So it went from hanging out for a few years in Toronto, having people around all the time, to I just had an apartment by myself, and it was way at the end of the subway line. And I was just this cold, dark, boring winter of 2014 into 2015 that I'm used to it now, that I've been traveling all around these last few years. I'm used to doing the by myself thing, but it was quite a weird shift at that point where I was like, this just sucks. Like that's when I started questioning, why am I still in Toronto? And that's why I started traveling around. But I had that one extra year of just being in this little crappy apartment way out in, man, what was that station called? I can't remember any of these names anymore, but it's the very last station is Kipling. And then that's how you take a bus to the airport. Like we're getting way at the edge. And I lived one station before that. Islington? I don't know, who cares? <laughs> but it sucked. It was a sucky year. So I actually started four podcasts that winter. So I did this one called Seven Days, where I put it out once a week, and seven was the shtick of like, this week I'm going to do seven of something. Like, I'm going to listen to seven albums I never heard before, or watch seven movies that I've never seen before. And it was maybe my least popular podcast 
I've ever done. No one cared, no one listened, but I did it for like 20 weeks and it was just an excuse to do something. Then uh, the year before that, I had started watching wrestling again. So me and my friend Jason started a wrestling podcast called Smarkamania. And again, that wasn't very popular and didn't go anywhere. But what was cool about that one is as part of it, I looked up indie wrestling in Toronto and I found this thing called Fight Brand Wrestling. And then they renamed to Super Kicked Wrestling and they still run now in Toronto. But uh, we went to that show and that was his first time going to their indie wrestling show. And he worked his way up where he's training to be a wrestler for a little while, but he uh, became the ring announcer for a while. On their old shows, if you look them up on YouTube, Jason Phillips is the ring guy who, you know, announces everyone coming down to the ring. And it was just kind of neat because it was kind of a combination of just doing the podcast, you know, made him a little looser talking and hosting. And I was just proud that I'm the one who found this place <laughs> that then he got involved with. And I'm like, cool. So again, that podcast went nowhere, but it led to things, which I think is the best reason to do anything, really. It's just, you never know what's going to happen. So why not? Why not just do it? But then babysitting, why this made me think of all this, is because then obviously we had this Calling Home podcast where I'm like, you know, it's a, again, if I don't make myself have a, a reason to call home, I would just go long stretches and never even call home. So I'm like, let's just make it a podcast. I'm doing all these fucking podcasts anyway. Like, why not? And I, once I did the test and it worked... But then along with this one, I had was called the toddler interview. And this thing was a bad idea from the start where, so my friend Joel has, is married with two kids. And, and I always, even though I had spare time, especially that year, and I knew his wife was kind of feeling the pressure of having to look after two little kids, I just always had that vibe that it's like me and his wife got along fine at a distance but I was a Joel's friend I'm not her friend and I just had that feeling like we're just really not on the same wavelength it's better if I don't get too involved but I just had nothing else to do that year and I'm like oh man I feel like it's gonna lead to problems but fuck it let me just I've been thinking for years about offering to babysit because I like babysitting I think I'm a pretty good babysitter but I just I just knew it was gonna eventually cause friction with us but I didn't make the situation any easier because I also thought his kids were little and they just said funny stuff all the time. And I'm like, if I just put a recorder in front of them just for a few minutes, it was a really short podcast. It would be like three or four minutes long, but just record the funny stuff that they said. <laughs> Cause it's just, you know, funny. And it'd be like a funny little time capsule. But I knew if I asked his wife, she would not want me to do that. Just wouldn't be comfortable with it. So I just didn't ask. It's like, why not? It's easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission, right? <laughs> but that podcast only lasted six or seven episodes because she was like, hey, dude, don't do a podcast with my kids. And I was like, yeah, right. That is weird. I, I, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that in the first place. However, though, that's not what the problem was. Later, I got in fights with her, but it wasn't about that. But it was an ill-advised podcast. But anyway, those are the big four of the dark, cold winter of 2015. And the only surviving one is this one, is the Calling Home podcast. <laughs> so, so there's the origin story, in case you're curious. So then I just went through our episode lists and I just pulled up whichever ones kind of sparked a little memory or whatever. And the first one that did that was episode two, January 29th, 2015, The Kindness Club. The, the book? The book I won? I, that must have been it, yeah. I didn't actually go back and listen again. I, just I think The Kindness Club. That must have been the one where I, I won a book for the essay I wrote. 
for the kindness club and I was in grade eight and I brought the book home at Christmas time so proud of it whatever nobody made any big remarks about it but I was so proud about getting that and then the book disappeared and I never saw the book again ever <laughs> how ironic to write the kindness club and uh, years reward. later Oh, years. I mean, I'm talking years later, like 30 years later. Kevin Hovey's sister had died. His mother had died. And they used to live beside us. And Kevin's sister brought me the book. It had been in their house. And it had all your name those in it? Years. It had my name in it. It had congratulations <laughs> uh, for winning the Kindness Club essay. Here's your, your reward. Yeah, I was down here working in the office, and she came in and uh, gave me the book. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> where did that come from? And it had been in their house all those years. So all I could think that happened is that one of my younger sisters took the book over to show Kevin's grandmother and left it there. Right. And they never brought it back. It just got shuffled away somewhere. So 40 years later, 50 years later... 60 years later, I don't know how long it was, but here's this book. And that's got to be what that was about. I suppose, though, at this point, do you know where that book is, or has it shuffled oh, no, that away book again? Is, so that book, I don't know exactly where it is, but that book is around. Okay, well, good. Yeah, that, <laughs> nice. that book is around. Huh? Man, this is going to be, now this is kind of, maybe this is a bit morbid or something, but now I have this feeling we're going to have a sequel to this story where someday I'll be like clearing out your house and hopefully in the far future <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, it's the fucking kindness club book. Holy crap. <laughs> so, isn't it funny too? I mean, I just feel like school, even with our generations being separated, but they're so out of touch with, especially when you're in eighth grade, like the kindness club. It makes me think of like when I was in junior high and I was just hanging on, like hanging off the cliff by my last finger, just hating it so bad. It just like, this place is miserable. I fucking hate everything about this. And then they pulled me in to do one of these like uh, provincial exams, which is supposedly random, but I don't think it's random that I got picked to write an essay to show that their school doesn't suck. <laughs> you know, they knew like, ah, oh, Keith will write a good essay and fucking randomly pick him. But the topic was write about your hero and how you're inspired by your hero. And I assume they thought people would just write about, oh, my favorite baseball player or some shit. But I wrote this big vitriolic essay about like, this is insultingly stupid. I hate my life every day. This place is a misery pit. And you're asking me about my hero? What world do you live in? And I still got like an 85%, even though I did not write about the topic remotely. So I always wished I could find whoever had the job of reading that because I bet in their stack of boring pedestrian pablum when they got to mine I bet it was at least interesting <laughs> the kindness club was something when I was a kid in school that I think everybody knew about it it wasn't a club that actually existed at the school more a state of mind <laughs> it was started by uh, the premier of the provinces his name was Hugh John Fleming and there's buildings in Fredericton named for him. His wife, Ada Fleming, started a club for children called the Kindness Club. And it was to teach children kindness to animals. And, well, they had they had fundraiser things, and they gave money to the SPCA, and they, you know, the other things. I, I don't, don't know a whole lot about it. But every year they had a contest, and students in the city, I guess. I don't think it was the whole province. I think it was the city. Uh, would write an essay. 
and there would be a prize. And there was also an article published in the local newspaper, I would say maybe once a week, that was written by Mrs. Fleming or her cohorts, and it was addressed to the children of the city, and every child was supposed to read it. Wow, talk about, that feels almost Dickensian. Can you imagine that being in the paper nowadays? Yeah, <laughs> like, so here was this, and it was a so section, quaint. and it was called The Kindness Club, and it had a story about animals and people caring for animals and that kind of stuff. And the essays, yeah, like it, like it was quite a deal to win it because it wasn't just our school that I won that for. That was essays that were written by city schools. And uh, there probably, I don't know, were probably 10 of these. I don't know. I don't know how many there were. But there were a number of these books that were given as a prize to somebody who won the essay. And I won. I was one of those winners. So I was quite proud of myself. But I remember going home with that book and showing it. And it was like, yeah, in our house. It was like, yeah, yeah, so what? Yeah, blah, you know, blah, no big deal, whatever. I don't remember anybody saying, well, congratulations. Isn't that wonderful? And so somebody probably just took the book from me and, yeah, whatever, and put it down. <laughs> right. And then the book disappeared. And it was, I never saw it again. And I remember making a tantrum about it and a big scene about it. Like, where was that book? Where was my prize? And, yeah, whatever. And it was... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's, then, that's fair. It's a fair reaction. I and think. then, well, when you're in a family of 12, it's like, and everybody was well-spoken and knew how to write, so big deal. So Barbara won a prize. Whoopie-ding. Right. <laughs> At least, though, I mean, I do... So I suspect that's what the Kindness Club podcast was about. I do. Uh, it's nice that uh, the Kindness Club is, a, uh, at least it's about animals. That makes it a little better, because what I was thinking is, like, kindness to your fellow man club. Yeah, no, which, it, again, like, in school... Like, like I, that's what I find so shocking about school is when you're an adult, generally no one bothers you, you know, like you don't get into altercations with people. Generally, everyone just minds their own business. School is like the worst time of life in some ways, because other little kids just have no sense of boundaries. And I never had problems in life like I did in school. <laughs> so it was, was definitely about animals, and I would I would have bought right into that because yeah, uh, that's a lot better. Yeah, I'm, I've always been a big animal lover. Uh, people lover, eh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, people ambivalent. I think is fair. <laughs> yeah. But maybe Mrs. Fleming's idea was that if you love animals, that you will become more tolerant and loving of your fellow human man. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know if it ever went that far or not. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you should be against your fellow man, but it's, uh, it's it would be painfully naive to just be like, oh, just be kind to your fellow man, because then, you know, you're just opening up for them to kick you in the teeth. <laughs> you know, at least animals are neutral creatures. Uh, let's see, episode 11, April 7th, 2015, is food poisoning. Where, yeah, at this point, I remember I was still babysitting. I hadn't fucked that relationship up yet. <laughs> but uh, because I came home late at night and I stopped at a 7-Eleven because it's the only thing open late at night. And uh, and I got like a, a wrap that was supposed to be, I think it was like a ham and something wrap, ham and cheese or whatever. But I remember as I was eating it, it tasted like tuna. And if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. But I'm like, that's funny. It tastes kind of like fish whatever ate the whole thing never been more sick in my life so for sure if you want to hear the more detailed notes go listen to episode 11 but that just was like oh yeah i remember that that was i was really sick and couldn't have brought it on myself anymore you know 
Uh, then episode 12 from April 14th, 2015. Again, I didn't go back and listen to these, but I just think it's interesting that it's titled TV shows. So in a way, it must no, be... a forerunner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what TV shows we talked about. One of the episodes was called, uh, oh, what was it? The, the, the Jewel in the Crown. We definitely talked about that. There's an episode where we talked about Doctor Who, uh, or no, not Doctor Who, The Twilight Zone, but this one is just TV shows, <laughs> so <laughs> who knows. Uh, then these I thought were interesting because there's two that tie together. So episode 14 from April 29th, 2015 is called Flooding, but then episode 45 from May 7th, 2018 is called Floods. So do you remember what the difference were between the 2015 and 2018 flood situations? Apparently, it was well, enough to talk about both we times. We had a flood here in Fredericton in 2018, and we had another one in 2019. Right. 2015. Yeah, because it definitely wasn't on my end, because there's no, um, no floods in Toronto. I mean, we've always had high water. I don't really remember 2015 being a, a remarkable year for flooding, whereas 2018, 2019 were, because they were back-to-back. Um, I don't know. I don't know what 2015 would have been. Yeah. <laughs> why we would have even spoken about it. Um, yeah. Unless it was just a high water year and talking about the high water, but it wasn't one that uh, stood out. Also, too, uh, initially I didn't title these. I just titled them the date, but I went back later because it was just a confusing mess of, like, what are these podcasts? And I just quickly assigned names to these early ones. So we probably talked about a million things, but I was just scanning through and we mentioned flooding. So I'm like, I'll call it flooding, whatever. So it might not even have been a very... It may story. not have been a 2015 flood. We may have been talking about just historical floods that happened. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, this town, it's River like City. 1973 it's, uh, flood. The year, like when I was growing up in Marysville, and the, the 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 bridge washed out, and school was canceled. You know, we could have pro- probably we were just talking about maybe floods in general. Yeah, because we have like a little monument they made, a little art piece across the river commemorating the many floods <laughs> this yeah. place just floods all the time and the big one was the 73 flood that's when they put that memorial thing up right and marked the high water mark and i don't even think the 2018 2019 floods were as high as that 73 flood that right was, no they're definitely a biggie they're on there but yeah i don't think they're yeah. the top uh then episode 20 june 19th 2015 so we did do a lot of episodes in 2015 it was pretty consistent initially i guess i called you every week or whatever uh, is Steam Burn. That's another one of your stories. Oh, Steam Burn. That must be when I was in grade 8 and fell into the hole in the... Yeah, grade 8 was an eventful yeah, year. Yeah, that was a bad year. <laughs> fell into the hole, uh, the the heating system in the school where the grate was off, and they told me to go and get a... Uh, somebody had marked on my desk and it wasn't me but I had to go and get something to clean the desk and when I walked into the janitor's room this hole was this the grate was off the floor and the pipes that heated the heated the school ran underneath that flooring system and it was steaming water in there and I never and the light was off but I could see the cleaning stuff on the shelf on the back wall and I just stepped forward and stepped right in it. Man, that must have been a terrifying moment, yeah, too. Right? Yeah, and I, I jumped out of there pretty freaking fast, <laughs> but my, my leg was burned right up to my knee. Yeah, and probably, I probably said the same thing back then, but I feel like that would be a lawsuit nowadays. <laughs> uh, yes, it would have been. But yeah, I just remember that story because uh, 
you know, it's just one of those things that just never came up. Why would it have? Why would I ever know that story? But then to hear it, I'm like, holy crap. (laughs) So that must have been, that must have been what steam burn was. Yeah, I assume. I don't think there's any other steam burns going on. So, Uh, and then this is where it's kind of a neat little chronicle of like, all right, I got through the cold, hard winter of Toronto. And that's where it was like, yeah, it was like the uh, push and pull of Toronto that I made so many friends and had a great time there. And still most of my friends live in Toronto, but I was ready to go. You know, I'm just living in this crappy basement apartment by myself, but it's just tough to get out of the gravity well of a place you've lived for a few years and you know a bunch of people. But that finally is like spring is coming. My lease was about to be up my year or whatever. I told my landlady, I'm like, all right, I'm moving to Vancouver. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Said my fairly wells to all my Toronto peeps. So August 7th, 2015 is an episode just called Vancouver. So obviously I'd moved to Vancouver. And then... This isn't so bad, August to January. January 30th, 2016. So this is uh, our, we've done the podcast for a year, episode 32. Keith quits his job. (laughs) So that was, I moved back to Vancouver, hadn't been there in like seven years. And my friend Doug, who I knew when I was a projectionist, he worked at this cheesecake shop, this fancy cheesecake shop on Granville Street called uh, Trees Organic. So he's like, all you got to do is walk in and you got a job. Even the uh, lady who was the manager went to university in Fredericton, and we talked about samosas, and I was Doug's friend. Like, it's like, all right, I didn't, it's like, I hate, I hate jobs, but I'm like, I gotta take it. I've never had an easier, like other people that worked there, I almost felt bad for them, where they're like, yeah, I put out like 60 resumes before I got this job. And I was like, oh, I know Doug. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so I hung on at that job for, I don't know, half a year or whatever, almost. And uh, anyway, that's the date, though, that I quit that goddamn job. (laughs) Uh, So then jumping forward to episode 35, April 13th, 2016, hiatal hernia surgery. That's definitely you. Oh, yes, that was me. (laughs) That was the big one. Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty serious. Yeah, because I remember uh, I was, it was such a, a dopey thing where I went to go see they used to do a thing where you could go see wrestling pay-per-views in movie theaters. Like you'd sit in the movie theater and watch it on the big screen. And it was quite expensive, so I didn't do it very often. But I was like, all right, I'm going to go see SummerSlam or whatever in uh, in this movie theater. And then after it was done, I checked my email with the mall Wi-Fi. And I just got an email from Dad that just was titled Mom. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, just you feel that terror. Like, what could this possibly be? And luckily, it was just, not that that wasn't serious, but you weren't dead. <laughs> no, I wasn't dead, but it was an emergency. It was an emergency-type surgery. Pretty serious, but I'm pretty tough, old gal. I recovered from that one. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess... Uh, Hard to believe that's been five years ago. And I'm not really sure what Dad should have titled that email, but I don't think he really thought about how, <laughs> just because he rarely emailed me ever anyway. There's, that's such a terrifying <laughs> subject. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I just thought that was interesting too, because who knows who listens to this podcast or who finds it, but maybe somebody who's going to have hernia surgery searched hiatal hernia and maybe they found that podcast just so they could hear someone else's experience of what it was like. You know, who knows? Maybe that never happened, but you're, it's surprising when you just toss stuff on the internet, how after it sits around for a while, it can just accrue. And there are certain things in your life that become uh, kind of life-changing or the monads of your life uh and that was one of them because i've never been a person that was ever seriously sick ill um health issues and uh yeah that one kind of threw me for a loop (laughs) it was like yay yeah 
do this surgery, lay yourself up for two months. Uh, and I found that hard, boy, just, just laying around the house doing nothing. I didn't. I mean, I should have, but I didn't. So. Yeah, that must have been brutal because the most I had was when I had my appendix out. And for, you know, like two or three days, I had to sleep sitting up. <laughs> I couldn't lay down. But that was two or three days, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, that one, that one took a, yeah, that was, that was different. And I guess all you can do is just assume you're going to be fine. But yeah, it's just crazy how these things can just hit out of nowhere. I mean, like, you know, poor old dad got cancer, just died. I don't know, not out of nowhere, but pretty goddamn fast. Yeah, you just quick. It's yeah. hard to, you just got to live life like it's not going to happen, I guess, because there's no other option, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think you'd be pretty depressed all the time if you worried about that kind of stuff and how you were going to, what if, what if, what if. Yeah, because like I'm only in it my... It happens, it happens. I'm only in my early 40s, but... You know, it's like I'm definitely already in that zone where when you hear about somebody dying when you're friends when you're in your 20s, it's like, wow, that's shocking. And then when you get into your 30s and you're like, it's still pretty, pretty bad, but I'm reaching that age where it's happened. I know a bunch of people that have just randomly died and it's like, okay, here we go. I'm entering the death zone. <laughs> like, it could happen any moment. Let's just hope it doesn't. Uh, so then... Uh, Episode 39, September 5th, 2016. I thought this was funny. So September 5th was Amsterdam plans. That's when I... Oh, yes. You were going to Amsterdam with the buds, wasn't it? Yeah. But because I had quit my Vancouver job and it was similar to just spinning my wheels in Toronto, now I was just spinning my wheels in Vancouver. So when Matt pitched this idea, it was just supposed to be, let's go to Amsterdam for a few days. But again, my lease was almost up. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not doing anything with my life. So I told my landlord in Vancouver, hey, I'm out of here. I'm moving to Europe. Like, I just thought I would just gallivant around Amsterdam. Oh, I've never been to London, never been to Paris, blah, blah, blah. And it was way too much to expect of a guy who I guess I'd kind of high strung anyway, and I'd never been overseas at all. Because by episode 41, two episodes later, November 7th. So September, I made the big plans. By November 7th, 2016, culture shock where i was back in canada and i was telling you about how uncomfortable i was and how i just bailed out on that ill-advised plan but it really was like uh you know i've traveled since then and now i plan out the entire itinerary and like last time it was pretty epic i pretty much went around the whole earth but it was all planned out you know it wasn't where this first time i don't know what i was thinking it's like i had a place set up for like a week and then I was like, oh, I'll just Airbnb, I'll just wing it, whatever. And That's like when your father and I went to Europe yeah. uh, in the in the mid-70s. And we had no plan at all. And it was just flying by the seat of our pants and going from one hostel to another and ending up in these cities where we wanted to see things like... Uh, uh, the Van Gogh Museum, and it was closed. And then we go to Italy. We want to see uh, some other famous museum, and it's closed. And it was, and then we got robbed, and it, uh, it was just miserable. And that's even in those days. And I would have been about twenty-three years old at the time. I said, if I ever come back here, I'm going to have so much freaking money that I'm going to live high on the hog, and I'm staying in nice places, and I'm making a plan funny you bring that up because yeah i didn't add this to the list i just went and looked it up but episode 17 for a may 21st 2015 is called europe 1975 <laughs> which was about that very thing yeah so then after that there was a huge slowdown in all of 2017 we only did two episodes but i think a lot of that is because after 
the Europe trip and all that shit, that's when I started coming back, actually coming home for Christmas because I was tired of all these weird Christmases where I'm just in some random city by myself because everyone else went home. So a lot of the year I was here anyway, and we just kind of fell out of the habit of doing the podcast. So we didn't do much that year. But then in 2018, we got moving again. I just remember episode 44 is called Third Phone's a Charm because I used to always be desperately trying to find payphones. Like in Amsterdam, there were none. And they were getting increasingly rare in Toronto especially, but also Montreal and Vancouver. So it was just this dumb episode where I remember the building. It's like the waterfront center, it's called in Vancouver. And I tried one phone, but it was too echoey. So I was like, wait, let me call you back. And then I tried a second phone and something was wrong with that one. I had a weird buzz or something. And then the third phone finally in the concourse room I found worked. But just, I left all that stuff in. So it's just a, I don't know, anyone listened to that was probably like, what even is this podcast? Where it's just like, oh, wait, let me call you back. No, 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 let me call you back. Like, I don't know, what a dumb podcast. But I I remember that day (laughs) because I was having trouble with phones. Then episode 46, July 3rd, 2018 is called Montreal Heatwave. So just that I was in Montreal now. And that's when I started working Montreal into my rotation of like, I knew it a little bit because my grandmother lived there and Matt used to live there. Uh, But I started going there on my own, getting a little more comfortable with Montreal. But the main Montreal episode that stands out to me is episode 48, September 21st, 2018, Cheetos Raccoons. Where I don't know if you remember this story, but me and uh, Brad, he was visiting and we went up on Mount Royal and... There's like this this tourist outlook where you can see across the sort of French side of the city to the yes, old I expo remember. building. I remember this story now. Yeah, these fat, lazy raccoons that aren't scared of people. And I researched it later of like, what's going on here? And it's just because there's constant tourist buses. And even though there's all these signs that say don't feed the raccoons, enough people just give their Cheetos to the raccoons that, that they're just... demand them. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just really fucked them up because they're just fat. Like, animals aren't supposed to get fat because they they are supposed to die if that somehow happens. But they don't have any predators. And (laughs) and it was just weird because, yeah, like, they would just kind of climb out of garbage cans and walk around. And people are just taking pictures. And I've never seen a wild animal less freaked out by people. (laughs) It was bizarre. Then episode 49... October 24th, 2018. I remember this one because it's New Brunswick slang. I don't remember the slang we talked about, but it's just me and my friend Rayanne were talking about she's from Newfoundland and talking about East Coast slang words. So I just found a list of slang and we talked about it. But why I remember that episode is it's the worst sound quality we ever had because in my desperate search for uh, a payphone, the only payphone I could find, what is that street called? It's uh, Bloor, but I think it, it... the Danforth at that point and uh, Warden Street and it was just on the corner of this busy street and it couldn't have sounded worse (laughs) so that's why that one stands out to me but then right after that episode 50 November 6th 2018 is called NB Storm so do you remember a 2018 storm in New Brunswick that was November yeah it was big enough to, I mean, it probably wasn't like such a big deal. It's just that's what happened to have happened when I called that week. But Storm, we made, a, I don't know, 2018 snow. Would we have had early snow? There was one year we had, we had really early snow. Like we had it before, uh, before Halloween and yeah. the snow never went away. 
Damn, yeah, that's a little unusual. And then, uh, but it would have only been a little bit on the ground, but maybe we had another one. Yeah, it was. there was a year there, and it could have been 2018, and it was one of the flood years, probably was, because people talked throughout the winter how long the winter had been. It had started in October, the end of October, and then um, went right through until April. So we had like eight eight months of it. So, um, and then the yeah. flood at the end of it. Um, <laughs> so that's probably, that's probably, we probably had another storm shortly after, because we had a whole lot of them. They just kept coming and coming and coming. And it was the early, how early it was. Because usually you'd get them and they'd leave. You know, oftentimes we'd have snow at the end of October, a little dribble, and then a couple of days later it's gone. But that year the snow never left. We really do have weird weather. Like I always heard that growing up. People talked about how severe Atlantic Canadian weather is. And I just thought, hey, you know, whatever. I'm sure every place is like this. But now that I've traveled around, it's, it really is crazy here. Like it's... It's like Old Testament shit sometimes, like you're saying, floods and yeah. eight months of winter. Except usually now our weather has gotten milder here and we don't, you know, you don't expect snow until Right, but the December. downside the downside of that, speaking of the biblical plagues, like I was so glad that this year was just a moderate amount of mosquitoes because last year I was like, what is happening? It was so many mosquitoes. And I'm like, I, I just am sure it was never this bad when I was a kid. And I was afraid it was going to be like that every year, but this year it wasn't as bad. But for whatever reason, last year, just like, just get ready to die. <laughs> so. so that's probably what that was. We probably had an, uh, quite a bit of snow in early November, but we had, a, we had had it earlier than that. So then episodes 51, 2, and 3 happened between July and September of 2019, where this was my more successful travel, where they're called Amsterdam 2, Russia, and Japan, where none of those places had payphones. Japan had some, but you couldn't call long distance on them. So I was back at this point, but I was just updating you on my adventures around the globe. So, but that was nice that, you know, I still had problems, obviously, of like, I lost my passport and my bank that was card your pre-COVID days that would have been your last big trip yeah it's a good thing i got it in right there because yeah like i remember right as covid the news of covid was starting to break and i remember texting brad who was still in japan about coming back and i was like yeah you know i just think i'm not quite ready i gotta give it six more months or whatever and then i'll be ready to get rolling again and little did i know i mean it's probably better that i didn't go to Japan at the start of the COVID thing, but who knows? Because Brad, it worked out okay for him where he got trapped in Japan, but it's better than, it was better there than it was here at the time. Now it's kind of flip-flopped. But anyway, so that was a more, a more successful second travel. But then we took another big break because of COVID. I was just stuck in this town, I was living at home, saw you every day anyway. <laughs> so there was no, no need to podcast. But then I eventually moved in across the river with my cousin and Again, it's same same kind of thing as the initial idea is if I have a podcast, I'll call home more often. Otherwise, I just put it off. So it's like, eh, you know, it's, it doesn't kill me to hike across the river and hang out once a, once a week. I just need a little structure. I just need a reason. So I guess maybe hearkening back to uh, what episode was that? Maybe somewhere deep in my memory banks, I remembered episode 12 TV shows from 2015. But I was like, yeah, let's just watch some TV shows. Fuck it. You know, I'll just watch those and blab about them. So September 22nd, 2020, was episode 55, The Ed Sullivan Show. So, And that was the first. So we did slightly over 50 of just 
calling and rambling about random whatever's happening in life and then not quite as many but it's roughly half and half and again because we've been doing it every week because we have more of a structure now so yeah we went from 55 to about a year later we're at episode 100 october 2nd 2021 is the day we're recording this it'll come out a couple days later so uh it took us six years <laughs> to get to episode 100 but we did it here we are you know mm-hmm. pretty good milestone but that's the that's the uh, if we unroll the parchment go down the scroll <laughs> of all the stuff that's what we've been talking about for the last six years yeah and it's kind of neat that uh, again like i just i just looked through the titles to sort of jog my memory i didn't actually go back and listen to any of these but it's kind of cool that they're there i don't know and i and uh i don't know how many listeners we ever really had but we definitely got more because i think the tv idea it's just more approachable because before then besides people who know me personally i mean i do know like a lot of my toronto friends would listen just because they're interested or whatever in whatever dumb crap i'm doing as far as the general public i have no idea but we definitely got a shot in the arm because tv is just a more approachable subject well and we also started with a little bit of structure a little bit of a plan and we've kind of deviated from that but there was a plan and it was to look at the oldest tv shows that we could find yeah, and, like, I think, uh, who knows how uh, effective we are as hosts, but I think the topic is legitimately yeah. interesting. And, and, and you resurrected a bunch of stuff that nobody would have ever thought about. Yeah, I mean, I, because I was thinking of standard TV shows, uh, but you resurrected a bunch of stuff that... Stuff that I didn't even know existed. Like, I didn't know it existed either. To me, like, the high watermark is the bared mechanical television. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. But the other thing that was kind of handy is... Uh, when the pandemic started and everyone was just hanging out on Zoom all the time and doing Zoom hangouts and playing Jackbox and stuff. So I was like with my Toronto friends, like, hey, let's do a Buffy podcast. We're always hanging out anyway. And then that burned out. We only did season one. But in that, that podcast was kind of popular because people just like hearing about Buffy. And in that podcast, I was like, hey, if you like this, we're talking about old TV over here. And we definitely got a big influx of people from the uh, the Buffy podcast. So again... Yeah, maybe the Buffy podcast was pointless and just fizzled out after a season of the show. But then it fed into this. Like, everything feeds into something else, you know? I think that's kind of a, a general nice little thing to know is just uh, just make stuff for the sake of it. You know, there's no actual goal. It just, uh, it just feeds into other things or whatever. So yeah, we could just end it there, but uh, I thought just to cap it off, uh, this could kind of fits with, we could do this like a little trilogy where... We did the tiny apartments in Tokyo, and then we went to the super-duper dehumanizingly tiny living conditions in Hong Kong. But just to finish this off, this is a shorter video. This is only like eight minutes long. But I thought, uh, I thought of a way to flip-flop that to the other side, where uh, this is the same guy who did that $100 apartment video with the no toilet. His name's uh, Tokyo Lens. His name's Norm. He's a guy from Ontario. He, this is actually his most popular video. This has got millions of views where instead of everybody cramming in and having no space because, well, it's two things in Japan where they are one of the only countries with a declining birth rate. Like they're actually having a shrinking population. And because it's so hard to move there because there's so much bureaucracy, the language is really hard and they're just kind of homogenous and xenophobic weirdos <laughs> to some degree. You know, their social fabric is like Japan's for Japanese people, like, but not in like a bigoted way, but they just do feel that way. So their population is shrinking. 
and everybody is moving to the big cities. So the countryside is just draining. Like I read a statistic somewhere, I don't remember the exact numbers, but these like uh, little countryside towns, there's like a bunch of them, like hundreds, that uh, every single person in the town is over 50 years old. And there's even a certain number that was like quite a few, maybe a hundred or almost around there, where every single person is over 75 or over 80. Like just whole towns of just old people because the young people just want to move to Tokyo or Osaka or Kyoto. They don't want to deal with this shit. So there is just emptiness in the country. There's just nothingness. There's just abandoned buildings and abandoned houses. And they have programs now where it's like, we'll give you a house. You can have it. It's just you got to agree to move to this place and live here. Like, it's not your vacation home. You got to move here for real. And it's still like a tough proposition because because a, a countryside house in Japan is like traditional. You know, it's like old school. It's like you've traveled back in time 100 years. People just don't want to do it. So in this case, this guy, Norm, he travels all around. He does videos about camping and stuff in uh, Japan. Him and his friend Victor found this place where... I'm actually not sure exactly what part of Japan this is, but this happens all over where there's just abandoned schools. Because if there's any building you don't need when the drain starts happening, it's schools because there's just no kids anymore. Everyone left. So this guy, it's an abandoned school. The building was in fine condition, but it's a whole school building no one's using. So this one dude basically took up residence in the school and runs it as like a little Airbnb type place. And there's a little cafe in there. And it's just this one dude in a whole school. And he's got like his drum set up and he plays music and it's the middle of nowhere. And it's just this nice little mini documentary about like he used to have an office job and he was all stressed out and he quit that job, came back to his hometown and was like, hey, uh, what's going on with the giant empty school? And they're like, you can have it. <laughs> so I just thought that's kind of cool because it's the exact opposite. Instead of being crammed in, it's all the room in the world in these countryside Japanese places. So I thought, let's just watch this. Oh, and I don't sure. know. Again, I don't know how much we'll have to say about it, but I just feel like it's a nice capper to the stuff we've been watching these last two weeks. This is part three of the trilogy. Oh, and if anybody wants to look it up, so the uh, YouTube channel is called Tokyo Lens and the videos, this man lives in an abandoned Japanese school and you can't miss it, millions of views. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of a cool video and it just I love how that guy's story just how well it worked out that he just kind of moved back home quit his job didn't know what was going to happen and just that he like he doesn't own that place obviously he just kind of you know I don't know the exact business arrangement so it's not like a long-term property he owns or anything but for the time being to just run an Airbnb in a cafe and get to have a jam session place for his yeah, band. Yeah, a lot of places, just a lot of space. Yeah. Oh yeah, that uh, I could see myself going to Japan and staying there for a couple of weeks and really checking out the area. Yeah, and like those videos about especially abandoned schools, I think people just find the abandoned school particularly interesting, but there's whole abandoned towns. You can find tons of videos about just the old abandoned stuff. That's a rare one because someone actually did something with it. So yeah, it's just uh, the stuff's there, you know? <laughs> it's just 
just yeah interesting it's neat too so uh he has a podcast where he went into some more background about this because like there's a million youtube videos about japan like anything in tokyo there's not nothing new it's like oh i'll just go show the same tourist thing that 50 other people already showed but that place really is unknown like he was just in the area to do camping and traveling and photography and i guess if i remember right it's just like the locals mentioned it or whatever and then when he went up to it it's it wasn't like tourist season so the place was closed it wasn't actually open and they were kind of skulking around and like said okay that we're here or whatever like anyone here hello and eventually the guy came out and it's similar to how he said he met the people who lived at the hundred dollar apartment and they didn't want to be in the video that guy yo-chan the opposite they're like hey would it be okay if we do a youtube video and he's like fuck yeah we'll do a youtube video and they made that and uh, yeah it's got three million views or whatever and before i guess COVID is messing stuff up a bit but he says he has like seen a distinct increase in people showing up there because of the youtube video so just cool years ago we neil and i went to newfoundland and there's the peninsula the avalon peninsula there outside of st john's and we drove down to a place called st mary's small small little community on the southern part and it had a school that had been uh not used anymore and it was turned into well we stayed there it was turned into like a like a b&b um and it was very interesting too because again a lot of space like your room was a classroom so you had this huge huge room that had some beds in it and a bureau and um and it had a little cafe Massa, very uh, similar. Very, very, very similar to that. That reminded me of that. And it, and it was just a small little town. And it was right on the ocean. Uh, very few people would have actually lived there, like native uh, native Newfoundlanders. And we were there during tourism, tourism season, so I don't know what it was like for the rest of the year. But anyway, that reminded me of that. Yeah, it's nice because, uh, I mean, luckily, I guess I'm in these nice circumstances that our family's well off enough that I can just kind of fucking dick around and try to find my own way. But if I really did have to buckle down and get a job and support myself, that's totally the kind of thing I would want to do. Because I've I've been a barista a million times. I'm fine with making coffee. I've been a clerk a bunch of times. I'm personable. I can blab to people. And just that like, lack of, uh, like, like that guy was saying in the video, of just the office environment that kind of stress like no no thank you like i'll be a poor guy i don't care <laughs> i can just i could do a job like that but i guess that's the thing about it is like you can't just get a job like that you gotta make a job like that and that takes some gumption and some luck i guess and yeah it worked out well for that guy i was just thinking actually i mean we might as well just wrap up the episode here but uh but i will show you one more thing just before we while we're still just here watching stuff that uh I'll just find the name of it just so I can uh, tell people where to go on YouTube. But just one other video along those lines. It's a longer video, but I'll just show you this one part. So there's this guy abroad in Japan, Chris Broad. He's a, a British guy, and he's he's the most famous foreigner who makes YouTube videos about Japan. He's a, He is very well known. But he, he recently did this video where it's a similar thing of just the... Uh, the town that everybody left and the town's just abandoned and this is so eerie and creepy where this lady moved oh he's did he did that video we watched about the capsule tower you know the oh, yes. weird little capsule uh -huh. building but uh this lady went back to her hometown to look after her dad and got back there and everyone's gone and she started she was just like a 
arts crafts person and she started making these dolls in effigy to like the people she used to know in the town and she just kept making them for years and now the town is mainly abandoned most of the people are gone but the town is filled with these weird creepy marionettes representing what the population used to be so you just get this visual image of like there's supposed to be this many people but these ones are fake <laughs> and it's just such a neat visual you know way to signify that oh i found it all right took me a moment so it's the abroad in japan channel and it's the inside japan's worst hotel room video from uh, september 5th 2021 just in case anybody wants to watch along with us but i'm gonna end the podcast here and i'll just show this to you and uh yeah again next week we'll probably go back to the old tv plan unless uh something, something wacky else happens comes up. <laughs> <laughs> but you only hit episode 100 every six years or so so <laughs> probably it won't